Hey, 12. Congratulations, man, on passing my touchdown record. I have one request. Go get us another Super Bowl. Congrats. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. I just, I've just had a rough day personally so far. Professionally, it's been great putting the show together this afternoon. Oh, yeah. Good topics, good content. Mike Clements is going to be here. show's going to be great. But personally, this morning, I, I struggled. I went to the store, and I had a couple very specific things I wanted. Needed a snow shovel. We don't have one. And I just realized this today. The last two snowfalls, we just left it. It's like, eh, it's fine. It's going to melt. And it did. But this morning, I was like, this is embarrassing. We got to shovel our sidewalk. We didn't have a shovel in the garage. I thought we did. So I went to the store. God, Walmart. You really bury those things, you know? You'd think there'd be just dozens of them lined up right in the front of the store. No, I did laps. I looked in, like, the grill section. They weren't there. Where the Christmas stuff was, they weren't there. I checked automotive. I don't know why, because they go in the garage. They weren't there. Took me too long. I wanted to get Tom and Jerry batter. Couldn't find it. Where is it? Where is the Tom and Jerry batter? I checked by the booze. It wasn't there. I checked by the cake mix. It wasn't there. I checked in the seasonal aisle. It wasn't there. I don't know if it's supposed to be refrigerated before it's open. So I was looking in coolers. And it was just a thing. It was just a whole thing this morning. So once we get past that, and I got into working on the show and getting ready for work, it's been great. Uh, but that's how my day has gone. I wandered on Walmart for... I don't know, 45 minutes. And the first item I got was a shovel. So I was the idiot carrying a shovel around the store looking for other things. So just a, just a debacle. Uh, let's move past it. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Hope you've had an excellent day. It's snowing outside, which I love. I love, I love, I love, I love. I volunteered to shovel the sidewalk outside of work today. Because I just, I love being out in it. We haven't had any real snow yet. It's been slush or it's been tornadoes a couple of weeks ago. So if you're driving, take it slow. More time to listen, more time to interact. You can tweet me at Wisco Grant, but not while you're driving. If you're in standstill traffic, you're at a stoplight, maybe you can fire a tweet off. Find me on Twitter at Wisco Grant. Follow and tweet me there during the show. Call and text 608 796 2558. Like I said, Mike Clements is going to be here at 530. So we're going to get the scoop from him on, yes, everything that happened on Christmas Day at Lambeau. So we can do some Barb stuff. I want to ask Mike why Rogers gave that ball to. Barb's grandson. I'm interested if there's a story, if there's a connection, and I'm hoping what Michael say was, well, you know, Grant, Mike uh, or, uh, or Brett's grandson is this person who's related to, I'm, I'm hoping to get something interesting. Because it seems odd that he would just give that record ball away to Barb's grandson. It's nice, but it seems odd. So I'm hoping there's a story there. We'll get the load on on Saturday. And of course, COVID. Mercedes Lewis went on the COVID list today. He was not alone. I think they have, what, six or seven players now on that list. Hopefully some going to come off this weekend. But two more that just went on today after I think four or five went on yesterday. MBS, Kevin King, St. Charles. I know off the top of my head a couple names that are still on the list. So hopefully get some of those guys back. And we'll get a logistical update uh, from Mike Clements. That's at 530. Yesterday when we started the show, we hammered the offense. We just hammered it. I think I, I, I sounded like I was talking about a Packers loss. And I'm sorry. My intent was not to be negative. I think I just got fired up and I was engaged and I was excited to talk about it because Saturday's game was such a great example of some things we'd already discussed. And that gets my motor running. Anytime we talk about something and then we go watch a game and it comes up and it gives us another example and we can build on a conversation, that just, 
that shit. And that's that's my thing. I love that. So I was fired up yesterday, but I didn't mean to sound upset or negative. I just want to point these things out before we get to the playoffs because this team has a long road to hoe before the playoffs start. So we were picking some nits offensively yesterday. We were looking at some of the timing of the scoring and the inconsistencies and things like that. Tonight, I want to start with the defense. We touched on this for a minute or two yesterday. It was very brief. I, this Today, I was reflecting on Joe Barry and the progression as a defensive coordinator that he's had since he's been hired. It's been quite a story, quite a career arc. Lots of ups and downs. Because think when he was first brought in, we thought we were getting Jim Leonard. That's who we thought. And we were amped. We were so psyched to get Jim Leonard. That's the hire that I wanted. Not just because he's a badger, but I thought it was a big swing. And I thought they needed to take a big swing. Because their personnel wasn't getting markedly better. It's not like they had a top 10 pick to Adam Micah Parsons. It's not like they had money to spend to bring guys in. It's amazing they held their defense together around the seams the way that they did and got Preston Smith back and were able to retain Adrian Amos, right? So I thought if this defense was going to improve, you got to take a swing. You got to take a risk. And I thought that was Jim Leonard. Packers did the opposite and they got Joe Barry. Now, luckily, they did get markedly better with personnel because Rashawn Gary took a leap. And Rasul Douglas has been great, and that was unexpected. And Devondre Campbell has been this revelation on the cheap. So they had ways to get better than I maybe didn't envision when Joe Barry was hired. When he was hired, we thought he was the worst hire ever. Dumb, dumb idiot, 100% product of nepotism. And people were writing articles and saying, well, this has been going on since this. The Kubiaks and the, uh, I almost said Manilow, but the name I'm looking for is Marinelli. (laughs) Yeah, Barry Manilow. Barry Manilow's son got a head coaching gig, and it was way too easy (laughs) He didn't have the he didn't have the real world experience. Oh my god, nepotism, right? We were ticked when Joe Barry was hired. We were mad, and then their season gets off to a little bit of a shaky start, especially in that New Orleans game. They gave up thirty eight, but also really bad in the first half against Detroit. Jared Goff moved the ball on them, and I remember coming out of that Detroit game thinking, "Well, man, if if the conditions are a little bit better and Jared Goff doesn't fumble, who knows how that game goes?" Right. So the first two weeks, very skeptical. Barry, I don't know if I'm buying into this Joe Barry guy. San Fran moved the ball on him, even though they won that game. And then in the middle of the season, he hits his stride, and the defense goes on a little bit of a heater. They gave up 22 points to Cincinnati in an overtime game. And yes, the story of that game was the kicking. But the defense held Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, Joe Mixon to 22 points at home. Looking back, wow, that's, that's really good especially without Jair Alexander at that point, right? Jair had been done, so they're dealing with this vast, really deep weapons group from the backfield, the wide receiving core, and they have a good tight end, C.J. Uzama. 22 points in Cincy. Really good in Arizona on the short week. Great in Kansas City, despite the offense and Jordan Love struggling, and despite the special teams being terrible. Really good against Russell Wilson in Seattle. Had this really good stretch. where We're thinking this defense is for real. This is great. Now we just got to get Aaron Rodgers back in the fold and healthy after COVID. That's happened. We got to hopefully get some of these other guys back and healthy. That's been a losing battle, it feels like, with Zadarius Smith and Jair Alexander and Bakhtiari. I don't know if any of these guys are going to come back, but we're longing for that. We're waiting for that. And if we can only get everything else to go right with this defense that's seemingly been fixed and seemingly better than it was in 16 and in 19 and in 2020 when they lost to the Buccaneers last year at Lambeau in the NFC title game, we thought, we thought, And then I think Joe Barry's defense hit a little bit of an inflection point. Week 11 against the Vikings, week 12, and then week 14 following the bye to the Bears. They give up 34 at U.S. Bank, 28 at home to the Rams, and 30 to Chicago. And that seems bad. And over those couple of weeks, we thought, the defense might suck again. 
well, yes and no. And we talked about this for a couple of minutes yesterday. I don't think those games were actually that bad. Yes, the scoring was thick and the yardage, yeah, it, it wasn't great. But yesterday, what did I say? Defense did good things against Minnesota. They pressured Kirk Cousins at a rate just shy of 41%. That's good. That's what you want to do. Kirk was just awesome. He had the best game of his season and one of the best I've ever seen him play with the Vikings, certainly in a game against the Packers. The Packers in that game, however, had eight penalties for 92 yards. That's going to stack up. That's going to hurt, especially for a team, again, it's designed around not making mistakes. That's what makes them good. So when they have 92 yards of penalties, that's, that's going to hurt the Packers more than it would hurt some teams that might play a little looser. And Darnell Savage missed three or four interceptions just by himself. If any of those things change a little bit, the Packers come out of U.S. Bank with a win. Who cares if the defense gives up 28? It's Kirk Cousins and that offense on the road. You'll take the win, right? But all of those reasons added up to the Vikings scoring 34. And uh, worried about the defense. Not great. And then against the Rams, right? Defense. Pitched a shutout. I bet you didn't know this against the Rams. You go back and look at that game. Rams didn't score in the first quarter. Rams didn't score in the third quarter. But the Packers gave up 11 points in the fourth after the game was decided. So it was garbage time points. Well, when you consider that, 28 to the Rams, that's not so bad. And against the Bears, 24 of the Bears' 30 points came in the second quarter. Sometimes a quarter is weird. Sometimes things get weird and things get out of hand and there's really no rhyme or reason. And six of those points were a punt return touchdown. The Bears stacked up 259 return yards in that game. That's not going to help the defense. I say all that to say this. The Minnesota game, the Rams game, the Bears game. The defense had an unlucky three games. They had a bumpy three games. They weren't at their best, but those three games were no reason to freak out. It wasn't some referendum on their talent. It's not like Kenny Clark isn't good anymore. It's not like Preston Smith isn't good anymore. It's not like Joe Barry's an idiot. No, they had a bumpy three weeks, and that's no reason to throw everything out the window and start over and change the defense. Remember when the Bucks were down 0-2 to the Suns? Remember that? Try to put your mind in that place where we were at the end of those two games. I can remember a little bit what we talked about. I remember coming in and saying, I I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what they do. Phoenix played really well. Milwaukee did this well. This defense makes sense. These rotations make sense. This theory works. The Bucs were doing all the right things. The Suns were just, they were hitting their shots. They're making really good plays. And then what happened? The Bucs kept their nose to the grindstone, kept doing the things that they're good at, and all of a sudden things started to shift. The Bucs started hitting shots, and the Suns cooled off a little bit, and all of a sudden the defense that was getting cut up, quote-unquote, by the Bucs, well, now it looks great. Why? Well, the Suns aren't getting as lucky. The shots aren't falling. It's a make-or-miss league. And the Bucs being down 0-2, they didn't panic. You saw that press conference, that picture now that lives kind of in infamy with Bucs fans. Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday are smiling down 0-2 at the press conference because they know, eh, we got unlucky for two games, but we're still very much in this, and they were. But maybe they wouldn't have been if Mike Budenholzer comes in after game two and says, we're changing this, 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 we're changing that. No, no, no. Hey, hey, take it easy. Everything's okay. You've had bad luck for a couple of games. My fear is that Joe Barry and his defensive staff freaked out a little bit and overreacted to an outlier game in Minnesota, to a game where the score looks a little inflated, a lot of garbage time points against the Rams. Maybe they're overreacting to a Bears game where 24 of their 30 points came in the second quarter, weird quarter, and a touchdown of that was a punt return touchdown. The defense doesn't suck all of the sudden. It's not like they lost all their talent or their mojo. They had an unlucky couple of weeks. But my fear is that Joe Barry and his staff, after that three-week stretch that took four weeks because there was a bye mixed in, they overreacted, and they start playing soft, and they start to overthink because the last few games, 
Matt LaFleur's referenced this in his presser. We've talked about it. Cornerbacks are playing off, Mike Pettin style. And for what? They're playing against Tyler Huntley, who's a backup, and Baker, who's got a bum shoulder. Here's another test. You're, you're playing in soft coverage. How many wide receivers can you name from the Browns and the Ravens? How many? I'm going to time you. I'm going to wait 30 seconds. Three, two, one, go. Wide receivers on the Ravens and the Browns. Not counting tight ends. I'm counting wide receivers. So who is Eric Stokes, Kevin King, Russell Douglas, Isaac Yadam, and all these guys? Who are they matching up against? Wide receivers, hit me. Five more seconds. Three, two, one. All right. Who'd you get? I did this exercise earlier, and I watched a lot of football. I thought of Donovan Peoples-Jones, Jarvis Landry on the Browns, and then Hollywood Brown and Rashad Bateman for the Ravens, who's a rookie. That's it. There's no Julio Jones in that group. There's no A.J. Brown. There's no Debo Samuel. There's no Devontae Adams. That's a run-of-the-mill, middle-of-the-pack wide receiving core. And yes, Mark Andrews is a good tight end. You have to account for him, but they didn't account for him. They let him run everywhere. It's like they had no special plan for the one truth that on the Ravens that was Mark Andrews, which makes no sense. Why are they playing lax? Why are they playing back? These aren't offenses and quarterbacks and weapons that command this reverence and respect. They're not very good, and yet the defense is playing scared. And yet now after this defense had so much confidence for most of the season, now they're struggling to get play calls in, especially on the goal line. They got 10 guys out there in goal line stands. Where did this come from? Where did we get off the tracks defensively? And it's frustrating. And my fear is that Joe Barry and his staff, after those three weeks, said, we got to change everything. No, you don't. No, you don't. Stay the course. Stay the course. I think the Packers' defense needs to go back to week 11. Go back to what made you good. Go back and watch film from the couple of games leading up into the Vikings game. Hell, even watch film from the Vikings game. There were good things in that game. Kirk threw a lot of jump balls, and Justin Jefferson was brilliant. Right? If Darnell Savage catches one of those interceptions, that game's different. If you take away a couple of penalties, either or type of things, that game goes different. But my fear is that that Vikings game and that Rams game and that Bears game, which are very fluky and misleading defensively, although it doesn't look good on the surface when you dig deeper, it's not so bad. But those are the games that are driving philosophical decisions and changes and adjustments. And they're adjustments and changes that just aren't necessary. They're bad. It's creating a softer defense. And we've seen that the last couple of weeks. Defenses are going to have bad games and bad moments. Football in 2021 is geared towards offense. You're not designed to get stops. That's not the way the game's set up. The slot machines at the casino aren't supposed to pay you money every time you play. That's not how it's set up. The casinos wouldn't make any money that way. This game is geared towards offense more than ever before. And if a 31-point game in Minnesota or a 34-point game at U.S. Bank, tough place to play, if that scares you off and makes you change everything as a defensive coordinator, then your mindset is wrong. You need to have a short memory because you're going to get cut up. You're going to have bad games. But you keep going with good process and what you believe to be good process. And the Packers had it and they lost it. It's frustrating. Maddening. Sucks. I mean, what defenses in the NFL right now are truly great? Great defense. Go. Who you think of? Buffalo. They're really near the top of the league in yards per game and they're up there in points per game too, but they gave up 33 to Tom Brady in Tampa Bay. They gave up 41 to Indy. That's not a down-the-field passing attack. Buffalo has bad weeks. They're not perfect. But they don't change everything the next week because Tom Brady scored 30-plus points. No, they realize that's a good offense. Football's an offensive game. We're going to have bad moments. Defense is a roll of the dice every single week. Now, some dice are better, right? If you have great players, the dice are a little bit more loaded. You have a better chance of having a great game. So I guess the question is, if the Packers' best dice that they're rolling 
are Rashawn Gary, Adrian Amos, Kenny Clark. Is that enough? Is that enough to win and have good defensive performances two or three weeks in a row? It's going to be a tough, tough task without Zadarius Smith and Jair Alexander. That's why when this offense gets chances to put the game away and you have a role that goes well and your defense sets you up, you need to take advantage of it. And this offense right now just isn't doing that to bring this full circle and to, to you know, harken back to what we started the show with yesterday. The timing of this offense. Let's take a break. 608-796-2558. Hit me up. You can tweet me at Wisco Grant. We'll keep talking about this coming up next on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. show Aaron Rodgers went on the Pat McAfee show today and I thought cool hope we'll get some fun breakdown of the Christmas Day game against the Browns and some cool stories about Brett Favre and we got a little bit of that but mostly we got Aaron Rodgers talking about his doctor friends and COVID and critical thinking and stuff and I tweeted about it I thought a rather harmless tweet uh and Ebo responded so now Ebo has brought his following into my Twitter mentions and uh Oh, God, I'm going to spend the rest of the night arguing with these people. That's fine. That's what Twitter's for. Follow me at Wisco Grant. Join in on the fun. It's a great time. Get in my mentions. It's, let's throw down. And yet Zach is making fun of me because I called the pandemic the pandy. Sorry someone has to have a sense of humor about this dark, twisted time we live in, Zach. It's funny. It's, it's fu- I, I, I'm not going to I find it funny. Calling it the pandy instead of the pandemic. Plus, 280 characters. Who has the space? To, to spend on pandemic, Zach. We have to shorten these things. Tweet me, call me, 608, or not tweet me, call me, text me, call me, 608-796-2558. You can tweet me, at Wisco Grant. Started the show today by talking about the Packers' defense and really looking at that point in the middle of the season where they gave up a bunch of points to the Vikings, a bunch of points to the Rams, and a bunch of points to the Bears. And since then, it's like this defense has changed a little bit. They're playing more soft coverage, they're, they're struggling to get the calls in. They're struggling to get 11 guys on the field. This wasn't an issue the first half of the season, even when they had bad games, even when they gave up 38 to the Saints. Although, let's not use that game for an example of anything. Even when they struggled for a half to slow down Jared Goff, even when they were in San Francisco and they gave up some big plays and big yardage, right? I didn't see these things. There was a very clear line of demarcation from the end of Mike Patton's defense to the beginning of Joe Barry's. And even when the defense wasn't playing well, and even when the Packers weren't winning and didn't look like the best version of themselves, I could look at Joe Barry's defense and notice differences. Oh, they're playing up near the line of scrimmage. They're being aggressive. That's something Mike Pettin didn't do. That was loud and clear. I saw that difference. The calls were coming in. We didn't have 10 guys on the field. We didn't have 12 guys on the field. Right? We weren't running around trying to figure out coverages and assignments as the ball was snapped. That was a clear difference between Mike Pettin and Joe Barry. Even when they were giving up points, even when they had poorer games, even when they lost, right? I could see the difference between Joe Barry and Mike Patton. I could see the progress, and I could see why Matt LaFleur brought him in because Joe Barry was clear. I want to do this differently. I want to do this differently. I want to make this change, and Matt LaFleur said, great. Even if we're not a top 10 defense in the league right away, even if we're not the best defense in the league, I agree with your process. I agree with your principles more than I did with Mike Patton, and that's why I moved off of Mike last year. I could see that. That was clear to me. Now, not so much. Joe Barry has reverted to some of these things that doomed the Mike Pettin defense. They're playing 10 yards off line of scrimmage. Why? 
it's Donovan Peoples-Jones and Hollywood Brown. Those are fine receivers, but why are you pooping your pants? Those guys aren't that good. And if they get by you, dare Baker Mayfield to make a throw. He won't. Dare Tyler Huntley to make a throw. Maybe he will, but he's a backup. That's a pretty good bet to make. When you're playing defense, you're guessing. You're making bets. When you were in basketball, when you were young, in middle school or in high school or even before then, when you're doing like things on the weekend, Saturday morning, a bunch of little kids in a gym and you're learning fundamentals, right? Something I heard from lots of coaches growing up. The defense is always wrong. The defense is always wrong. You're guessing. You're thinking the guy's going to go right. And if he goes left, you're wrong. It's the same in soccer when you're trying to be a goalie and there's a penalty kick and someone's about to take a shot. You're always wrong, right? You are going to guess incorrectly. You're just taking a shot in the dark thinking he's kicking the ball to this corner or that corner. Defense is always about making bets. Some are more aggressive. Some are more passive. But you're always guessing. You're always guessing. You're always betting. And betting that Baker Mayfield can't throw a 40-yard bomb down the field is a really good bet. And yet they didn't make that bet on Saturday. They're like, hey, we'll let him throw underneath. We'll let him take easy passes. We'll let him do this and that instead. Force him to beat you deep. He can't. He's not very good. And he has a bum shoulder. He's got like seven different injuries. It's bizarre to me. It's very weird. Something happened with this defense. Something happened with Joe Barry. And I think it stems back to that four-week period. The bye was tucked in there, so it was a month long. It's four-week period with three games where they gave up a bunch of games to Minnesota. But that game was fluky. Kirk was unreal, unrealistically good against pressure. The pressure rate in that game was just shy of 42%. That's great. Joe Barry and the defense did a great job with that. Kirk Cousins threw up some jump balls. That's good. Darnell Savage and Eric Stokes and all the secondary players, they were in position. They just didn't make plays. And sometimes you leave the stadium and you're like, well, we just didn't execute. We just didn't make enough plays. We didn't come down with those interceptions. We didn't get to Kirk quite on time, even though we pressured him. And you got to be able to walk away from a game thinking, okay, come back. We just play better next week. It's not something with the scheme. It's not something with the calls. It's not something with the coordinators, the personnel. We, we need to execute better. We need to be better. But yet I think Joe Barry looks back at that game and I, that something happened. Something switched there. That, and, I, and I don't like it. I, I, don't, I don't like it at all. 608-796-2558. Tweet me at Wisco Grant on Twitter. All of my Twitter mentions are just about... Oh, it's about doing your own vaccine research and stuff, and I just wish I wouldn't have said anything, and that's that's fine. Coming up, I want to talk about a couple of different things before we get to 5 o'clock, and of course, Mike Clements is at 5.30. I want to talk about some players in the secondary, specifically Eric Stokes and Darnell Savage. They're having struggles with their ball skills. They can't come down with interceptions, right? And I, as someone who's never played football, never coached football, I think I have an idea on how to help. I'm going to share that coming up next. First, let's go to the talk of text line, 608-796-2558. Is this Nick in Madison? Nick, what's going on? This is this is Nick in Madison. Grant, how are you doing? Good. It's nice to hear from you. It's been a while. Well, with the exception of after game night when I was ripping on Evo for uh, oh, going after Corbell oh, when it comes yeah. to his uh, his drink of choice. But um, right. hopefully you, you found yourself some Driftless Glen there. Yeah. Um, so in regards to the Packers, um, you know, the comment is usually said, you know, about playing prevent defense always, you know, always leads to no, no good. But I feel that the offense is starting to get to that point too, where they get this lead, um, and and the proof is in the last three games: Chicago, uh, Baltimore, and Cleveland. They get this lead, yep. and then they go to prevent, and that's both defense and offense. And it's frustrating to watch. I mean, Cleveland it was prevalent because they went three straight drives of I think three and out, or maybe they got one first down, and they chewed off no clock. Yep. They, you know, they didn't take any risks. They, they didn't, you know, I think they tried to throw one 
down the field to uh, uh, Devontae, who should have had an easy catch and probably would have been another 30, 40 yards. But yep. that said, they, they didn't move, they didn't move the ball, and it, it just felt like everyone's going to prevent. And you get this lead, and you just bank on the fact that you got Aaron Rodgers, and you know it's going to be enough. And it just it's mind boggling that they can't put their foot to the pedal and put them away. Yeah. You know, they got their foot on their, on their throats, choke them out. Yeah. You know, whatever, whatever analogy you want to use, just quit backing off. That's what they do. And, you know, eventually it's going to come back to bite them. Oh, oh yeah. Oh yes. This is what, I mean, we talked about this for two weeks. This is what I was talking about on that live chat on Saturday. Like you can be Baker and you can be Tyler Huntley. Tyler Huntley didn't make any mistakes, but the Packers were good enough last Sunday against Baltimore and Saturday Baker threw them the ball enough times. But if you want to beat Brady one week, Dak Prescott the next, and then get to the Super Bowl, like you're not going to get lucky three weeks in a row when your offense completely shuts off at the end of the game. I agree, but they can't close. And I don't know what it is, Nick. No. I really don't. Neither side can close. And, that, you know, Aaron's got to take, you know, a, a page here too and, or take some of the blame here too and just keep going. Keep throwing the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you got a strong run game, fine, but those aren't going to get you the first downs every time, unless it's against Baltimore when you get nine yards on the fir- on first down every play. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I just I feel part of the blame for for where this is heading is Aaron Rodgers and the offense, and they're not doing enough. They only do enough for really. They don't do enough in the first quarter. They never start well, which blows my mind they always give up a lead they let gave up the lead in you know every game lately and they 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 get shut out in the first quarter and then they come on strong in the second quarter and they they do pretty well in the third quarter and then they just hold on for dear life in the fourth that's that's the the game plan for every single game it's not it's not something that i want to have to sweat through in the playoffs but i feel like that's where we're headed nick nick thanks for the call it's good to hear from you you too Yeah, Nick in Madison. The one thing that bothers me, Nick, and you talk about Aaron Rodgers needs to take control, and he said this after the game, right? Put the ball in my hand. Let me close. Well, this team is designed offensively. I think they're second and third best playmaker. Probably Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, and MVS is probably somewhere in that neighborhood, but the hierarchy is Devontae Adams, and then everybody else is arguing for second, but I think big play potential. Aaron Jones is right there. Dillon is there, and then, of course, Lazard and MVS too, but Personnel-wise, this offense is set up to be able to run you over and to physically draw out drives at the end of the game with Jones and Dylan. I think they need to be a little bit more creative with the way that they do it. You can't just hand the ball up the gut to Dylan and Jones play after play after play against most teams, especially against good teams. You're not going to be able to do that against Tampa's defensive front, Dallas's defensive front, who I waxed about for days last week. You need to be a little bit more creative. Do what Tampa does with Leonard Fournette. Leonard Fournette averages six and a half targets per game. There's only one running back in the league who gets more than that, and it's DeAndre Swift. More than Kamara, more than Barkley, more than McCaffrey when he was healthy. More. Aaron Jones is sixth or seventh in the NFL. Boost that number up. Get him involved in the receiving game. Get Aaron Jones or A.J. Dillon, excuse me, involved in the receiving game, and you almost run by passing. It's an easy way to shake it up. And yes, still use your running backs who are great. They're your playmakers, but you got to help them out and give them the ball in some more advantageous spots. All right, let's take a break. We're late. We're going to come back. I have an idea for improving the Packers secondary, Eric Stokes and Darnell Savage and their ball skills. Never played football, never coached football, but I think I have an idea. I also want to talk about Rasul Douglas as well. That's all coming up next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
I'm sorry. Yeah, give me one second. There were cookies in the lobby outside my studio, but there are only two left. So if I knew if I didn't grab one and eat it now, by the time my show's over, it'd be too late. So I'm sorry. I had to make this decision. Let me wash it down. I got some coffee. Hold on. Mm. Yep. All right. Let's rock. Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. I hope you're having an excellent day. I was listening to Bill Michael's show earlier today, and he was giving this weather report. It seems like everybody's getting snow, which is awesome. I love snow. I love the manly feeling I get when I go outside with a shovel and conquer the elements and clear out a piece of my land. I think that's why I love shoveling is I love going outside, and when I'm shoveling, I it gives me the sense of ownership. It's like this is my patch of sidewalk, mine, and I'm going to take care of it because I'm a man and I'm responsible, and I, I'm, I'm handling it. And then also I just love bundling up. Going out, again, very manly feeling. We're tackling the elements. We're taking it on. And I I am better. I am stronger. I am tougher. So when I was shoveling today, I got a very, I think that's why I'm so fired up is I did some shoveling this afternoon. I think you do that every day. 608-796-2558. Call me. Text me there as Nick and Lacrosse did right before our last break. You can tweet me on Twitter, obviously, at Wisco Grant. You can follow me as well. There's a raging debate in my mentions right now about what Roger said about vaccines on the McAfee show today. We're not going to get into that. Unless Mike Clemens wants to get into that at 530, then that's his mess. I'll, I'll pass everyone along Twitter and, and the talk and the, the texts and the calls. I'll pass that along to him. And that's not this battle. We are just talking about Joe Barry and the defense a little bit. Part of the defense's issue against Minnesota, and it was a relatively small issue. Like I said, they did a lot of good things, this, that, and the other thing. Part of the issue was they got opportunities. They just didn't seize them. Good process. They pressured Kirk Cousins 40% of the time. That's a great number. I, he threw up a lot of jump balls, risky passes. Corners were in good position. Stokes, Savage were right there, but they couldn't come down with the ball. It's like, well, you do everything right. You got to finish the play. And again, Stokes had a shot at a pick this weekend. Savage has been better. And he pulled down one, obviously, on the, the first, the second Brown drive of the game on Saturday. But they need to be better with ball skills. And I think I have some advice for those two players. I think I have a solution. I'll share that with you next. First, Let's go to the phones, 608-796-2558. Who do we got here? Is this, oh, Ryan on Alaska. It's been a while. Ryan, what's up? Hey, uh, I'm normally I would totally agree with your comment about snow, but seeing as I'm, well, thankfully I'm right by my parents' house, but I am a stuck on the road. Oh, you're stuck? <laughs> well, good. Then it's safe that you're making, you're making a call as long as you're not driving. Yeah, it looked bad out there right before I started my show. <laughs> It's not good, dude. Yeah, it's, not it's good. well. <laughs> yeah, you gotta. You should bring everybody who's listening to the show. Bring yes, I, a shovel, salt, and a flamethrower with you. Yeah, that would help. Some kitty litter, maybe sprinkle behind the tires. You should. You should always. <laughs> yeah. You should always have a shovel in the trunk. It's just. A, it's just good practice when you live where we live. Have a shovel in the trunk, some gloves, and that way, when weather like this hits, you're ready, and it's such a good feeling. You feel like GI Joe when you go outside because you're just ready. You're prepared. Yeah, I have my big coat hat and, and my uh, army blanket cutout mittens with Good. me here. Good. So that was fine. But, yeah, gosh, I really appreciate your comments about the defense. They have gone soft. And I don't – yeah, like it was after the bye and, like, after the Vikings and Rams and Bears games, they are different. Um, and they need to turn it around. And I think that will be something that Matt LaFleur is apparently probably going to be – seriously ribbing Joe Barry about this week or if he's not Matt listen they need to play better yeah yeah I I mean I just I don't get it 
I, I thought they had everything down. We we had it. It was it was there. It was in our hands. We had a good defense. And I get you're not going to shut every team out every week, right? That's just that's not how football is. But now I watch this defense. It just doesn't look the same. Even when they're getting stops, it doesn't look the same. And that's that's really frustrating because I thought we had something. I thought we had a good defense finally. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thankfully, I'm right by my uh, parents, as I said earlier, yeah. and I got some help now coming to get me out. So I'll talk to you later, Grant, okay? Yeah, have a, <laughs> have a good one, Ryan. Ryan in on, Ryan in Alaska. See, that's that's what you do when you're stuck in the snow. You call a sports show while you wait for your buddies or your family to come pull you out. That's excellent. Well done, Ryan. It was nice to hear from you. 608-796-2558. Despite this defense being softer, and having a little bit of a personality change the last couple of weeks, they've had opportunities. You think of the Vikings game where they had multiple chances at interceptions, and then Eric Stokes had a chance at a pick that he dropped on Saturday. When you get those chances, you got to capitalize because you're not going to get five of those chances against Tom Brady. You're going to get one or two. You're not going to get five chances at a pick against Dak Prescott. You probably won't get any. Dak doesn't turn the ball over, at least not when he's playing well, and he's playing well the last couple of weeks, especially on Sunday night, obviously. They scored 56 points. If you play against, well, Matthew Stafford might turn the ball over. He might throw it to you. But Kyler, Kyler's not going to throw the ball up for grabs a whole lot if you see the Cardinals in the playoffs. It's like a pitcher, right? If you're going up against Max Scherzer, you might get two pitches the whole game. You might get two. And when you get him, you better not miss. And that's why when you watch Ryan Braun in the box or you watch experienced hitters, Lorenzo Cain's probably another good example, when they get a pitch to hit and they foul it back, you can see it in their face how down in the dumps they are because yeah, they know they're not getting another one. Max Scherzer's not hanging two sliders in the same game, let alone the same at bat. So when you miss one or a fastball that you, you got on, you got it on on the dial and then you just oh you swing through it and you foul it to the backstop. Hitters know you're not getting another one of those. So in a game where Darnell Savage has a chance to make a play, got to make it. Eric Stokes, and you have a chance to pull down an interception, you got to make it. Those are plays that you have to make, and it's the ball skills with some of these secondary players, Stokes and Savage especially. The ball skills just need to be better. And I have an idea on how to solve this issue. Okay, I've never played football. I've never coached football. Never been in a film room with a coach. I, I'm very detached from football. I'm someone who watches. I'm an idea guy. I'm not a put it into practice guy. Okay, This might seem dumb, but I think it's good. Have Eric Stokes and Darnell Savage run drills with wide receivers. I'm serious. I'm, I'm 100% serious. Go through practice. Do everything you need to do. And then after practice, take 10 minutes Eric Stokes, Darnell Savage, you're going to go over there with Adams and MVS, and you're going to run through a couple of drills. Nothing crazy, no sprints, no jump balls, nothing like that, but just put your body in the place of a wide receiver. Go through their motions, do what they do, run where they run, jump where they jump, mirror Devontae Adams, get, get a sense for what he does and who he is, and have your body mirror those players, because then mentally... You can, you can think like a wide receiver. If you want to catch the ball, you got to think like someone who catches the ball. Think like Devontae Adams or Alan Lazard. Take a couple minutes, do some wide receiver drills. I'm going to share an example that's going to help explain this. It's going to be a little weird, but hang on, okay? If you want to catch a ball, you got to think like a wide receiver. This is how I think when I go fishing, okay? I'm a big fly fisherman. We've talked about this. I want to go ice fishing. God forbid we get any ice. Maybe Lake on Alaska, hopefully getting close. Sucks. You can't ice fish until after Christmas, and that's the new world we live in. But whatever, our planet's dying. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about um, catching the ball. When I go fishing, I like to think like the fish. You got to put yourself in the mindset of a fish. So when I go fly fishing, especially by myself, this is what I do. 
I don't tie anything on my pole. I, I don't I don't step foot in the water. I go from my car. I put my put my rod and reel together, pull the line through so I'm ready, but don't tie anything on. And I go down next to the river and I sit there, sit there for five minutes. Seems like it's quick. It feels like a long time. Sit down five minutes. You just let everything slow down a little bit because if you sit in nature for five minutes and you just listen, you just look around. It's amazing the things that will appear, right? You'd be like, wow, I, I wouldn't have heard that if I didn't sit down. I wouldn't have saw that. It's amazing what you'll see and what you'll hear. You'll start to think like a fish. If you look at the water, five minutes. Doesn't seem like a long time, but it is five minutes. You sit there and you watch. Oh, you know what? Now that I look, I see uh, I see there's some bugs over there on the top of the water. What's going on there? Ooh, a fish just took a bite. I would have walked right past that had I not been looking, right? Sit down, get a feel. How's the wind blowing, right? What's what's the vibe? What's It sounds hippie, but it's it's not. You sit there next to the water, you start to get a feel, and all of a sudden you start thinking like a fish. And now when you go to tie something on your line, you have a good sense of what you should use and where you should throw it and what's going on. You really, you put yourself in the mindset of a fish. And that's how you catch a fish. If you want to catch a ball, you need to put yourself in the mindset of a wide receiver. So Savage, Eric Stokes. Go run drills with the wide receivers. Five minutes. Five, ten minutes after practice. Doesn't need to be in pads. Nothing crazy. Just just go through the paces. Because you'll fool your body. Right? You'll fool your mind. Just walk through a couple of routes. Talk to the wide receivers a little bit. Just talk shop with, with the wideouts. Just a couple of things here and there. I'm serious. I think it's a good idea. If anyone's close to the Packers, pass it along. It's fine. I don't even need credit. Binks is on the phone. 608-796-2558. What's up, Binks? Hey, how are you doing? Did you have a nice Christmas? I had a lovely Christmas. My parents made a prime rib. I felt very spoiled, and it was great to see my siblings. How about yours? Uh, we did just fine. Man, you look like Johnny Cash uh, in that uh, black uh, suit that you had on. <laughs> I wore my I wore my turtleneck blazer combo to church, yeah. Something like that. It looked like Johnny Cash, yeah. <laughs> oh, black. Hey, all right. I'm going to try to give you a little Dave from Monona, uh I think I'm just going to rib you a little bit. You Please. had to mention Ryan Braun. I, I knew that's why you were calling. I, I knew that's why no, you were calling. No. I, I saw your name and I said, he's not calling into talk. Oh yeah, that's right. I mentioned baseball and Ryan Braun. I knew that's why you were calling, but I'm, I'm happy to hear from no, you. I didn't mean to cut no. you off, I, but I knew no, it. You, no, you, uh, you mentioned, uh, see, we, we just can't get together. Apparently you're too cool for me. You <laughs> well, mentioned yeah, fly it. fishing. I'd love to do that with you. Put a, Ooh. put a 12 pack of beer in the, in a cold stream and, oh. And do that when it gets nice out. How's oh, that? Oh, that's amazing. God, I wish I could do that tonight. That sounds incredible. I do that in the middle oh, of winter. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Not me, man. But, <laughs> uh, anyway, just call and wish you a happy new year and a Merry Christmas. Yeah, you as well. And I'm glad you answered the bell when I mentioned Ryan Braun's name. I would have been disappointed if you didn't. Thanks no, for the call. I am not answering <laughs> about Ryan Braun. I I, the sports world needs to move on from him. Oh, my God. Uh, I love that. Thanks for the call. Have a good New Year, buddy. YouTube, pal. Bye. That's Bink, 608-796-2558. I knew that's what triggered his call. I, because when I saw his name pop up, I said, what did I say? He wouldn't just call like he wouldn't just call to wish me a Merry Christmas, which I guess is why he called. I said, what did I do? Oh, that's right. I mentioned baseball for 30 seconds. Damn it. Yeah, and seeing if David Monona... Uh, Dave did text in. He said, men do not wear mittens. They wear gloves. Thank you for that. Who said they wore mittens? Oh, yeah, Ryan in Alaska mentioned he had his mittens. Um, I just, I'm just i not, not a big mittens guy. I don't find them to be any warmer than gloves. And aesthetically, they make my hands look like paddles. I feel like a platypus. I So I'm with you on this, Dave. 
but it's nothing it's nothing to do with gender it's nothing like that it's just simply it's just it's an aesthetic thing for me it's a style thing which i guess is probably something you'd also get upset at really quickly before break dw's on the phone from new glarus what's up dw Hey, Grant, what's shaking, my friend? Oh, not much. I'm just kind of now starting to dread leaving work because I don't have to dig my car out, and I'm not practicing what I preach. <laughs> I don't have a shovel, so it's going to be a pain. Yeah, me, me either. I had to take my uh, coat and take the take the stone off the windows. A um, couple things I heard about. What about uh, uh, Darius Smith? He looked like on Twitter he was coming back this year, but from what I've heard, he's not. And then when are they going to cut uh, Alexander and uh, uh, David Byrocki loose? Yeah. they got to start playing them before the playoffs. Well, got to get them back in shape. And I think Jair might have to come back this week because when you activate someone for return off IR, like it starts like a 21-day window for them to be activated. So maybe they activate him and don't play him, but I think he's the closest. I'm not going to lie. I've got to the point now. It's December 28th. I'm kind of skeptical that Zedarius is coming back. I'm not sure about Bakhtiari, but Zedarius Smith hasn't even practiced yet. Like, he hasn't. I, I don't know. I'm not getting my hopes up with him. But I can ask Mike Clemens at 530. Yeah. He will join us. Well, hopefully you'll have, have a couple good questions for him. And I'll tell you what, uh, the Packers, their offense needs to step on people's throats when they got them down and quit quit being so passive when you're up you got a lead. Because, you know what, one of these times it's going to come back to bite you in the playoffs. It I will. Mean, if you got people down – 14, 17 points, just stay on the throttle and blow them out. Yeah, no, I'm with you. And it's frustrating because they have the pieces. Hey, I appreciate the call, DW. Nice to hear from you. You too, Grant. Take it easy. Yeah, you too. Happy New Year to you as well. Coming up this weekend. Let's take a break. We'll get an update from Mike Clemens. Maybe he has included some injury news. Let's see. And then we'll talk more Packers after this. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Hey, 12, congratulations, man, on passing my touchdown record. I have one request. Go get us another Super Bowl. Congrats. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. Clemens going to be here in a half hour. And I read before that last break, before we heard from Zach, Mike's tease, what he tweeted out. He said there was a lot more to this play than it seemed. A lot more. My Packers update coming live with Grant Bills on the Wisco Sports Show. So he's talking about this touchdown to Devontae Adams. So that's what we're going to break down. So I know that's kind of what Mike has planned for us. Now, I have some sound bites saved where certain players and coaches are talking about Rasul Douglas. And maybe we'll talk about that with Mike, but my fear is I play a bunch of sound bites, we talk about them, and then Mike has the same ones at 5.30. That's not going to be an issue, because based on what he's told me, we're going to talk about that touchdown to Devontae Adams over the middle. So I think we're good. Let's keep talking about the defense. Let's keep talking about Rasul Douglas. I, I think we're making headway here, folks. I think we're making headway. We're learning about Joe Barry. We're looking at trends throughout the season, where they were good, where they were bad, what changes have happened, good changes, bad changes right and we're talking about some of the players that are making this defense cook let's let's keep at it we're getting somewhere i think we're getting smarter we're learning about this defense and i think we're going to know more and have a better understanding of this team when we leave here at six o'clock especially the defense which we didn't talk about much yesterday we were mostly on the offense 
This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills, and you are free to join me. Nay, encouraged to join me. 608-796-2558. You can give me a call or a text there. You can tweet me at Wisco Grant. Follow me as well because, again, and I say this jokingly, but, it, you know, it's also a sad truth. Uh, my generation just cares a lot about these things. My personal worth is very tied to the amount of followers I have on Twitter. So please help get me through the week and follow. That would be great. Thank you. At Wisco Grant. At the very beginning of the show, to recap very quickly, to kind of set the stage again. Talked about the ups and downs, the career arc of Joe Barry so far as the Packers defensive coordinator. When he was hired, we thought he was a boob. Week one, we definitely thought he was a boob. We felt very right in that moment. I knew he was a boob. I only got hired because of nepotism. I knew it, I knew it, I knew it. Right? Then the defense, week by week, starts to figure things out, look a little bit better. And then they had that three-week stretch, about a month in the middle of the year, where they just, they were on a tear. They were on a tear. Great game against Cincy. They held that offense to 22 points. Excellent on a short week in Arizona. Really good in Kansas City against Patrick Mahomes in a game where they got no help from Jordan Love and no help from the special teams. And really good against Russell Wilson in Seattle. Then it got complicated, right? They hit a little bit of an inflection point. Gave up a bunch of points in Minnesota, 28 to L.A. in Lambeau, and then 30 to the Bears. And I think that stretch scared Joe Barry a little bit and caused him to make some changes and make some corrections. Changes and corrections that weren't really necessary. They were overreactions, right? He was tinkering with something that didn't need to be tinkered with. If it's not broke, don't fix it, right? I think Joe Barry thought his defense might have been broken a little bit after that stretch. It wasn't, right? In Minnesota, they did a lot of great things. Kirk just made some amazing throws, and Justin Jefferson made some amazing catches. That's what happened. Darnell Savage had a couple of chances at interceptions, didn't get them. Kirk was great, and the Packers had eight penalties for 92 yards. That's why the Vikings scored 34 and won. Brilliance of their offense, little good luck here, little good luck there. That's the NFL. You pick it up next week. You don't change your entire design. You don't change your entire game plan against the Rams. 11 of those points came in the fourth quarter in garbage time. So take away those 11 points. They give up 27, or they give up 17. That's pretty good. Pretty darn good. And then 30 to the Bears, 24 of them came in one quarter. And six of those points were a punt return touchdown. So those games in the middle of the season look bad, but they're really not that bad. But I think Joe Barry made some changes, started playing softer, started overthinking things. Now they can't get play calls in. When did that start? I don't know, but it wasn't an issue in the middle of the season. wasn't an issue early, but it's an issue now. And I think Joe Barry and his staff, they're trying to react to that rough stretch, and I don't think it's worth reacting to. I think you just keep your nose down, keep playing, keep pushing, and you wait for the results to change, just like the Bucks did in the NBA Finals. First two games against the Suns, they did a lot of good things. They tried everything, and nothing worked. Why? Because Phoenix was balling. Phoenix was great. They were hitting their shots, and they were getting really unreasonable numbers. And then when those came back down to earth, the Bucs kept doing everything the same, and look at what happened. The Bucs started winning. It's the same with defense in the NFL. You're going to have bad weeks. That's just the way football is designed. It's not designed for the defenses to rule the day anymore. This isn't 1970. Offenses are going to score, and when they do, you got to have a short memory. They have a short memory. Turn around, try again the next possession. Pressure the quarterback, hold tight in coverage, and then when you have opportunities, make plays. That's all you can do. Sometimes you're going to give up points. That doesn't mean you throw everything out the window. Now, a big player on this defense, especially since the middle of the season, got a shot due to injuries. He's brought off the Cardinals practice squad. Rasul Douglas, Aaron Rodgers talked about him 
after the game on Saturday. Well, I think oftentimes the idea of being a role player is, is looked at as you're a secondary contributor, but we have guys who play important roles for us. I'm not saying, I don't think Rasul's a role player. Role, he's a star. I mean, he's he's got incredible ball skills. He's around the football all the time, uh, and he's changed He's changed our team. You know, he really has. Calling him a star, this, that, the other thing. He talks about Rasul Douglas as a role player. I think fans like to categorize role players and stars. Right? It's easy for us. It helps us organize sports. It helps us put players in compartments so we can understand it better. Because let's be real. You know, if you're a sports fan who is anything past casual, so if you're watching games every night, every other night, you're watching a lot of teams, watching a lot of different players, and right now football is on, college football, pro football, the NBA's going too, and if you're into hockey at any level, that's a whole other thing, and then there's college basketball. There's a lot of information we need to process if we want to understand anything we're watching and not just sit at glowing lights on the TV. So we start to categorize people and things. This guy's a star. This guy's a superstar. This guy's a role player. I don't know if inside locker rooms and inside coaches' meetings, I I don't know if people involved with sports view it that way. I don't think Matt LaFleur is sitting in his office saying, okay, these guys are our stars. This guy is a role player, this, that. We label these things. We make these distinctions. In the NBA... We have created a class of player to help us understand the game. We created the three and D guy. Like, we just created, we just invented that. Like, hey, these guys play defense and shoot threes, and that's their deal. And we can organize them in this little category over here. Helps us understand better. We, cr- we created that for ease of watching and ease of understanding. So when we say Rasul Douglas is a role player, that, that's for us. I don't think the players are freaking out over that. Can you make plays? Can you help us win games? And I don't care what you are. I don't care what you're making. I don't care where you're from, where you were drafted. If you're a role player, star, if you're a bubble guy in a practice squad, if you can help us win, we're on board with you. That's what Alan Lazard talked about too with Rasul Douglas on Saturday. For him to be able to do what he's doing now, wow. It's just, it's hard for me to describe just because it's it's such a small, like rare opportunity for someone to be able to, to get that chance to get the opportunity, to get the minutes that he's getting, given his situation. You know, he's bounced around to multiple teams. We came off a practice squad, and now he, he's, you know, our one of our best corners. Well, and Alan Lazard would understand this, too. It's, a, it's the eye of a needle that you have to thread. If you come out of college undrafted, and you're on a practice squad, and then you're at the bottom of the roster with the Packers, and you're on a team that's successful, it's not exactly a huge opportunity for you to get going. Alan Lazard was stand for by Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers got on his soapbox and said, I want Allen in the game. Put Allen in. I like this guy. And when Lazard got out there, he was a revelation. And he made the most of that very tiny opportunity, and he kept getting opportunities for that reason. Now, Rasul Douglas wasn't an undrafted free agent. I think he was is he a fourth-round pick. Let's look it up. Let's go to Google. Rasul Douglas draft. I think he was a fourth-round pick, wasn't he? Um, 2021... We had this yesterday. This shouldn't be so hard to find. Third round of the NFL draft by the Eagles. So pick 99. So he wasn't an undrafted free agent. It's not like he was even a sixth or a seventh round pick. But he had bounced around, and his career was kind of teetering. He was on a practice squad, and he got the tiniest opportunity in Arizona when this team has been banged up, and he forced the Packers to play him. That's literally what Matt LaFleur said on Saturday. One of those things that we're battling with in terms of how much does he play, and then he keeps making plays, and it's consistently shown itself. And so, again, that's a great job by Goody and his staff, finding a guy like that of that caliber at that point in the season that 
obviously just didn't get enough of an opportunity in Arizona, and, and we're, we're benefiting from it. That's why players don't like missing games. That's why they'll play hurt. That's why they'll lie and say, oh, I don't have symptoms. I'm fine. I'm, I'm going to keep playing. Because you know, as soon as you're off that field, you have a guy that has an opportunity to go and show what he can do. And if he's playing really well, you're not going to get that job back. It's the same in radio. It's the same any on-air gig. Michelle Tafoy has worked like 300 NFL games on the sideline now. I saw that on Twitter yesterday. I think Sports Business Journal or Hollywood Reporter or somebody. It was like a record. She's done 300 primetime NFL games now. You don't do that by taking a lot of time off and giving other people cracks at it. No. Once you get in that chair, once you get that microphone, you you don't move. You're planted there. You're not giving up that spot. It's the same in the NFL. If you have a quarterback gig, there's only 32 of those. I'm not giving anyone else a chance. If I'm a corner, I'm not giving anyone else a chance because who's to say Rasul Douglas doesn't come in and do that and play amazing? Matt LaFleur, more on Douglas. He's just a guy. Not only does it on defense, but you guys see on that first kickoff, he's running down there and making a play. I just think that that speaks to the competitor that Sewell is. He's a guy that we can consistently count on to go out there, give great effort, compete to the highest of levels, and do his job. And we are very, very fortunate to find a guy like that I always relish an opportunity to bring up my high school's head football coach, Joe Labuda, legend in Menominee High School. Heard him say one time, and I can't imagine it's the only time he's ever said this, along these lines, and I'm paraphrasing, um, most dangerous animal is an animal that's backed into a corner. You back animal into a corner, they'll they'll get desperate. They'll do whatever, right? Because they're out of options. Rasul Douglas was at a point in his career where he's on a practice squad. He's bounced around. His career was not trending in a good direction. And he gets one opportunity to do something about it. He's desperate. Oh, you want me to play special teams? I like sure. And I'm going to do a really good job. If I get one special team snap, I'm going to make sure that I do my best. I'm going to blow everyone away. Because it's not like I have other options here. I'm backed into a corner career-wise. Oh, I get a couple of opportunities to play in the secondary because Jair is banged up. And Kevin King is, well, he's banged up. And then he's got COVID and he's just, he's Kevin King. Right? He's going to do everything, personality-wise, behavior-wise, attitude-wise, to make sure that he doesn't squander this opportunity. And that's basically what he said after the game. It means a lot. I mean, <laughs> I don't think I'm a superstar yet. I think we, we have two superstars on our team, 12 and 17. Um, but, yeah, it means a lot. I'm just trying to just keep working, uh, just keep trying to mean something to the team. Mean something to the team. I, just, I have to be valuable in any way possible. I have to be valuable. Remember, I, I talked about Breaking Bad last week, I think. Remember in Breaking Bad when they were about to kill Walt, Gus was, and his people? Because Gus was kind of going off the handle. He hit those dudes with his car. And, like, he was he's not the ideal employee if you're running an underground drug ring. He's not. He's kind of, he can go off the handle. He's a little wild. Yeah, he's a great meth cook. But, like, can we get someone else who's maybe not a maniac, who's not just this freak? Right? So they were going to kill him off. They were going to stick Gale in. Gail, I think his name was, was it Gail Bedecker? It was Gail. It wasn't Gabe, right? Gail Bedecker. And Walt's like, we can't have this. We got to kill this effing guy. And they shoot him. Why? Because Walt needed to be valuable. Needed to be valuable. He needed to be needed. Otherwise, he was going to get killed. And obviously, it's different from the Rasul Douglas situation. But it's along those same lines. Make yourself valuable. Make yourself irreplaceable. Learn how to do something that nobody else can do. Be good at something nobody else is good at. Be a special teams ace on a team that sucks at special teams. Whatever. Whatever you can do. Make yourself valuable. 
Make yourself valuable to the team. Make yourself mean something to the team, as Rasul Douglas said. And if you got to shoot a dude in the face because he cooks good meth too, then that's sometimes that's what you got to do. That's what Walter White did. It worked well for him. 608-796-2558, Twitter, at Wisco Grant. Let's talk on this for a couple more minutes, and we'll get to Mike Clemens at 530. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. show my name is grant mike clements is going to be here in 10 minutes and the bucks broadcast is going to take over on some of our affiliates so if you're listening on sports talk 105.1 or wkty listen on the zone if you want to follow along with me and mike and our conversation about saturday's game and some updates on that touchdown to Devontae adams and i got a brett Favre question for him too i'm hoping he gives us an interesting take and story listen on the zone madcitysportstone.com or you can listen on the app it's not hard just find a zone stream uh, and we'll still be on there until 6. I want to talk more about this Packers defense. We've been talking about Rasul Douglas and how he's made himself valuable to the team. Now I'm going to talk about Rasul Douglas's value and Devondre Campbell. And I think this is an important discussion to have because anytime I go on social media or I take texts or tweets or calls about Rasul Douglas, who's been a sneaky defensive MVP, or Devondre Campbell, People like, you got to extend this guy. You got to pay this guy. And to be fair, maybe if the salary cap was all in balance and the Packers weren't staring down a really tough offseason, maybe they would have extended Devondre Campbell. I don't know. But in the circumstances of this season, pay Devondre Campbell. Ah, probably not. Rasul Douglas, you got to give him a contract. Mm, uh, probably, probably not. If your conversation around Devondre Campbell and Rasul Douglas is centered around giving them a big contract and paying them, then you're missing the point on these guys. Devondre Campbell has been great, and he's transformed this Packers defense, and he's given them something they've really missed really since, oh, I don't know, always, ever since I've been watching him. And he's so valuable to the Packers because the cap hit of Devondre Campbell is $1.2 bucks. That's it. In a season where they barely kept it together at the seams and barely were able to keep all of their guys. Rasul Douglas has made a bunch of big plays, and he's so valuable to the Packers because his cap hit is $600,000, which is about my yearly salary to put on this award-winning radio. <laughs> Somewhere, maybe a little bit maybe a little bit more than my, my yearly salary. Sometimes players are great and valuable, and they fit, and it all works. And then they get paid, and that changes things. You get money, that changes things. And I'm not saying if Rasul Douglas has a contract, he's not going to be as good of a player. Or Devondre Campbell gets a contract, and he's going to get lazy and apathetic. That, that's not what I'm saying. I'm going to use an NBA example here because there are so many NBA examples of this. Otto Porter comes to mind. Otto Porter is an excellent example of the point I'm trying to make. He was the third overall pick by the Wizards in 2013, and he played for them for four years on a rookie deal. And that rookie deal kind of came to a head in, what was that, 2016, 2017? And that was about the time where the Wizards were pretty darn good with John Wall and Bradley Beal. And maybe we thought... Maybe Kevin Durant ends up in Washington. He's from there. Maybe he goes east and he goes to the Wizards. Maybe. And he ultimately went to the Warriors. But the Wizards were left out in the rain. They didn't get anything. So they got all this money. What are we going to do? Well, let's extend Otto Porter. Let's match the Nets who offered him a deal. And we're going to pay him a bunch of money. Okay. Now, leading up until he got that deal, he's averaged about 11 points per game. 
up to 13.5 points per game in his contract year 2016-2017. Started 80 games, stayed healthy, hit 43% of his three-point shots. That's great. A lot of teams would love to have that guy, and the Wizards love to have him because they kept him around, right? 6'8", solid defensive frame, can move around and hold his own on defense, can switch, he's not a liability, stays healthy, doesn't miss games, hits threes. Those are all the things you want, yes. But in the summer of 2017, he gets a new deal. He goes from playing from a couple of million a year on his rookie deal, even after his main, you know, rookie extension and his options held out. Now he's four years, $106 million. And now all of a sudden we view Otto Porter very differently. Same guy he's always been, pretty good three-point shooter, can get you a couple of buckets, stays healthy, can defend. But he's a different player now. Now that he's making $23 million a year, $22, $21 million a year, well, now, actually, Otto Porter, that's, eh, I don't want that contract. I don't want that player, right? Now he's in Golden State, and he's making $2.3 bucks, and he's a fantastic value. He fits what Golden State is trying to do. He works in their system. He hits his shots. He's flexible defensively. He is everything that Golden State wants. Otto Porter is perfect for them but he wouldn't have been perfect for them making $20 million a year like he was in Washington before he was traded for a bucket of balls. He was traded for Bobby Portis, Jabari Parker, and a second-round pick. A dude who was a third overall pick, got paid $106 million bucks. Washington couldn't get rid of him fast enough. And I like Bobby Portis. Jabari Parker is whatever. He's Jabari Parker in a second-round pick, right? We see this all the time in the NBA. And that's why so many NBA people, especially writers and contract people, they refer to players as assets, Right? We want to make a trade. Well, what assets do you have? Not just players, because it's not enough to say, well, we have Otto Porter. He is an asset in a trade. Well, no, not him by himself. Contractually, what's he worth? What's he being paid? Because Otto Porter at $2 bucks is way different than at $24 bucks. And in the NBA, if you make a trade, you have to match salary. So if we're trading Brooke Lopez for, I don't know, I, I'm regretting this example already. If we're trading Brooke Lopez for Clay Thompson, Right? The Bucks need to include enough to match the salary. You can't play a $30 million player and trade him for a $10 million player. It doesn't work in the NBA. So it's their assets, right? They're assets. So price matters. You need to find players that can do this again next year, the Packers do. They need to find another Devondre Campbell or Rasul Douglas next year. And that's easier said than done, absolutely. But every year, your goal is to find maximum value from the cheapest guys on your roster so you have money to spend elsewhere to extend Adams to extend Jair, to bring in Billy Turner or Zadarius Smith. And when you pay Rasul Douglas, he's no longer Rasul Douglas. He's something different. And all of a sudden, that contract is an albatross around your neck rather than a great value like it is right now at 600 k Or Devondre Campbell, if you pay him a bunch, well, now he's in the same group as Fred Warner or Darius Leonard. Is he those guys? No. So now you're overpaying. Money matters. And it's not as simple as, this guy is good, pay him money. No, because if you pay him, then well, then the conversation changes. Then it's different, right? You see it in the NBA a ton. We kind of gloss over it, I think, sometimes in the NFL. Because guys typically get their money. Teams, teams hold on to players much more so in the NFL. They don't let guys get away in free agency, sometimes like in the NBA. And that's why the NBA free agency is just, it's insane. It's nuts. And so much money is thrown around. Like Otto Porter. Washington's like, well... We didn't get Durant like maybe we we hoped we could, and we got all this money. Well, what the hell? CBA just, just jumped, and we got money, so let's give it to Otto Porter, I guess. We got to give it to someone. And now all of a sudden, Otto Porter is a mark rather than this great value who does a lot of good things and, and contributes to a winning basketball team. 
Let's take a break. We'll get Mike Clements on the horn. Talk about Saturday's game. He wants to talk about that touchdown to Devontae Adams. Maybe we'll talk about Rasul Douglas. And I want to ask him about watching a record being broken at Lambeau as well. That's coming up in five minutes. Mike Clemens next on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.